Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. In case you were not with us this morning, we're teaching on the subject of establishing our relationship with our Father God by knowing Him through His Word. Knowing our relationship with Him from the beginning, how it was lost, and how through Jesus Christ man has been restored and lifted to a place even I believe above Adam's place in the garden. And when our redemption is completed, we'll be in His glory. Amen? So you'll have to get the tape from this morning's message if you weren't with us this morning. Otherwise, you're just going to get the second part of our message, which we'll probably pick up next, next Sunday. I like to teach that way. I, I just don't seem like there's, a, there's enough time in one message to get all you want to say, especially me. You know, because I just got a whole bunch to say, you know. And uh, I just like to just continue on and on and on. That way, you don't have to rush to get everything all at once. In the 23rd chapter of the book of Matthew, in the 23rd verse, We'll use this scripture this morning. We are taking a look at the life. Jesus showed, showed us the life of the Father. And we're taking a look at our relationship with the Father by looking at the first three chapters of Genesis. And as we said this morning, Jesus said that I and the Father are one. And if you want to see the Father, just look at me. And so we're just putting some things together that Jesus revealed to us about the Father. In twenty-third chapter, 23rd verse of Matthew, he said... Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. So in other words, Jesus was saying and revealing to us that, see, the period of the law was to reveal to us the redemptive work of Christ and to unveil to us the knowledge of God, so we can understand the Father. To show man his faults, to show man how he was separated from the Father God, and to teach him until Christ would come. It was more or less like a schoolmaster. Well, Jesus said, if the weightier matters of the law was to reveal to us the fact that our Heavenly Father is a God of judgment, a God of mercy, and a God of faith. Now we saw, and let's go back to Genesis now. We saw that in the book of Genesis... In the first chapter, we talked about creation. We know he, Hebrews 11, chapter verse 3 tells us that the things, the world was created by the Word of God, by faith. God spoke the world into existence. So we know that He is a God of faith. We've talked about that, and everybody in this place knows that we talk about faith a lot. Well, we also said that our Heavenly Father is a God of judgment. And rightfully so. In the second chapter of this book of Genesis... As we read verses 15, let's just get back there. 15, 16, and 17. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden, into the garden to have eaten, to dress it, and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you, may, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So he's made man. We said that the reason for the heaven is the earth. 
The reason why that heavenly bodies are out there is because of the earth. They all affect the, this, this earth. And we said the reason that the earth is here was because of man. And then we said the reason why man was put here is because of the Father heart of God. And so if you put them in order and you begin to see that, you begin to understand that, dear Lord, he made it all for us. And then he gave us dominion over all the works of his hands. We were to subdue this earth and to replenish this earth and have dominion over all of it. But you know the story. Well, in this 15, 16, 17 chapter, or 17 verse of the second chapter, we find out that our Heavenly Father is a God of judgment. Judgment, mercy, and faith. Now, Adam was created, we said. He was given dominion. He was given authority over all. But he was told he must obey and he must not partake of this certain tree. Well, you know the story. Adam partook and Adam and Eve partook of the tree. And consequently, they had sinned. Let's take a look at verse 14 of the third chapter. Now remember, if you were with us this morning, you saw how much the Heavenly Father loved man. How much he loves us. But referring back to Adam now, how much love he had for the Heavenly Father. He had prepared... We, we, we use the picture of a, of a person who's about to have a child or a family who's about to bring, a home, bring home a child and put that child into the room that they just all fixed up real nice and had everything in order and bought this new thing and that new thing and just got that room all fixed up waiting for the new baby to be born to be brought home and put inside that room to be the ruler of that room. Amen? And if you have any kids, you know that's the truth. Well, the Heavenly Father made all these wonderful things and uh, they have no purpose and, and no use really if it was not for the man, because he made all these things for the man. The room for the child would be no good and useless unless you had the child to put in that room. Now, that's exactly what he did in creation. He made all these wonderful things, and then we just stand there in awe of all the beauty of this earth, but yet we fail to realize, I think, that he made it all for us. Only we're not talking about little toy cars and trains and stuffed animals. We're talking about dominion over the works of the hands of our Heavenly Father. And He made it all for us. Well, they disobeyed. They disobeyed the Heavenly Father God. And in verse 14, the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. He begins to pronounce the judgment. Now, He says, Upon thy belly thou shalt go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now, remember... The Father God, even though He loves us with this love, had to judge Adam because he cannot lie. He said, In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. He could not go back upon His word. Now Adam has become spiritually dead, separated from his father gone. Now the judgment must be pronounced. And judgment will all... God is a God of judgment... And judgment will be pronounced when somebody persists in disobedience. Let me say this. We live in under the dispensation of God's grace. And there's a lot of people that abuse the grace of God. The grace of God and thank God for it. I've seen people do in this dispensation things that if they would have done those same things under the law, they would have been killed, stoned. They would have been judged. They would have been killed. There's no question about it. You find people commit adultery all the time. If you found them doing that under the old covenant, then they were stoned to death. They found out about it. But God's grace allows you to repent and ask Him to forgive you for it. I, bet, I tell you what, you better thank God that we live in the dispensation of God's grace. 
Amen. But we're going to see how we can avoid God's judgment because Adam could have avoided God's judgment had he not been disobedient. He goes on to curse in verse 15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. And he goes on to Adam. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it in all the days of thy life. Now he goes to the, to the ground. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt thou return. Well... Friends, I just want to say one thing to you. It pays to obey God. It pays to obey God. Be obedient to what His commandments are. And like I said, if some of us lived under the old covenant, under the old law, there have been a great many people stoned to death, judged a lot previous, a lot sooner, than what God's grace allows in this dispensation. We're going to see why. But for the time being, we see that our Heavenly Father is also a God of judgment. He's a God of judgment. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of faith. We know all that. Let's go on down to verse 21. This is the very first scripture that reveals to us the mercy of God because He unfolds His will to redeem mankind. Unto Adam also and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them? And if you did any kind of study at all, you'll know that that is the first word of prophecy showing forth. Now see, the, the, he clothed them with skins of the animals, but he killed an innocent animal and he got the covering and covered Adam. Now remember something. We said that Adam, before he sinned, was clothed with, God, with the glory of God, clothed with the righteousness of God, and he could stand in the very presence. As a matter of fact, look at the eighth... Verse of the third chapter. In the eighth verse of the third chapter, this is the relationship that he had. And I hope you got your shouting clothes on tonight because we're going to do some shouting. Amen. And this is when they had sinned. I'm not going to go into all this. I just want you to see something here. And in verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, it wasn't the voice walking. It was God walking and they heard His voice. So they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Sounds like to me that God was come down in the cool evening breeze and walked upon the face of the earth in the garden and he talked with his creative man Adam and Eve. But when they had sinned, and they saw him walking probably the same time that he always did, when they had sinned, they were ashamed and they hid themselves from the presence of the Almighty God. They had a relationship that was so one with him that they could stand before him in his presence without sin consciousness, without guilt, without condemnation, until they sinned, that glory was removed. And God the Father, in all his mercy, gave forth that word of prophecy. It was symbolic of what he was going to do. He was going to slay. He slayed an innocent creature, shed the blood of it, took the covering and covered up the nakedness and the shame of man because he was unclothed of the glory that he had with the beginning from the Father. Can you imagine walking with God and talking with God like that? 
That's how we were created. Just to walk up and say, yeah, glory to God. Did you know I did this today? Did you know I did that today? Come and look and see how I fixed up this here and see what I did. This is exactly the relationship and fellowship and communion that Adam and Eve had with the Father God. Beautiful, amen? Can you see that? But wait till you find out how Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, we have come back to a place of that same type of communion and fellowship. Amen? Now, God's grace is His willingness to move on our behalf. Now, you remember that or write that down if you're taking notes. God's grace is His willingness to move on our behalf and God's glory, God, I mean, I'm sorry, God, God's mercy is His attitude towards those that are in distress or those that are in trouble. So His grace is His willingness to move on the behalf of His people. Now, of course, in this time, they no longer were His people. They, he had turned everything over to the devil. And Adam was estranged from God. He was no longer a child of God. That's why God's grace, we call it unmerited favor in its general sense. In other words, they did not deserve to be redeemed. Mankind did not deserve to be redeemed, but God went ahead, went ahead and did it anyhow. That is His grace, His willingness to move on our behalf because why? Because our Heavenly Father is also a God of mercy. Mercy is compassion. It was His attitude towards those that are in distress. He could not stand to see the work of His hands destroyed by this one man but because of the sin, because of the temptation of the devil. As we go and see here, well, let me give you another scripture. The reason why we want to get to understand all that took place in the beginning and understand the knowledge of God is because in 2 Peter, we are told that grace and peace is multiplied through what? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So grace and peace is multiplied to us through this knowledge of God. Now, he had to begin to unveil himself to man and give us this type of knowledge. Because when Adam was separated from the Father God, he lost the knowledge that he had of God. He had no way to get back and find a relationship and a fellowship with, and communion with God the Father like he had before. He was ashamed and afraid and he hid himself. He was in guilt and condemnation. Now, I said this morning, if God wanted to condemn you and I, he would have done it right then. But blessed be God, he didn't condemn us. And it says in Romans 8, chapter, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And that's why you're not going to hear me preach any condemnation, because there isn't any. Jesus said, I didn't come to this world to condemn you. I came to this world to save you. Amen? And so, you see, friends, I want you to realize this, that God's love was great then towards us when he created Adam. But I want to show you how God manifested a greater love towards us in the fact that he sent his son to die for us. And if his love is that far-reaching, we go on to find out that even the love that he had to redeem us is working stronger on our behalf now that we are saved. Now that we are his children again. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. And let's take a look at the second chapter. I want to show you the picture of man. Because when you could see the picture of man in the fall, then you could, you could see more clearly the love of God. In the second chapter, verses 1 through 3, we see what happened to Adam when he had sinned. Now when I say Adam, I'm talking about the entire human race. Because everybody was found the same way. Death passed unto all men because of Adam's sin. Now, in the, in the second chapter, verse 1, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, we gave you the picture this morning of a person who was about to have that child, but th they had a miscarriage. Now, I'm not speaking that to be doubtful or anything like that. Don't take it because it doesn't apply to anybody here. But it has happened in the past. And so, when that 
child was not born, that room that was all prepared after maybe eight months of waiting had nobody to come in and take over it. Well, after God had done all the works of his hands and had everything prepared and everything was predestined to come to that predestined end, it was brought to perfection that man would enter into the rest of God and just take over the whole thing, so to speak. He died. Dead. He was dead. See, we, when we talk about spiritual death, it's not a cessation of life. Life does not, it does not mean that life ceased to exist. It means that he is separated from God. And not only is he separated from God, but everything, all the works of God's hand now was cursed. Can you see that? It was cursed. It was not intended to be that way. But we see here the state of man is that he was dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. They became children of Satan. The prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, by nature, the children of wrath, even as others. Now look at verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. That is the picture of lost man. Now go back to Luke, the fourth chapter. Now, that's not bad enough, friends. I mean, it's not bad enough that his wonderful creation has now sided up with his arch enemy, Satan. He has sided up with the enemy of God. That means, now listen, that means that man became an enemy of God. Can you imagine your child became your enemy? I mean, you know, I wouldn't want my children to grow up and to hate me and be an enemy of mine. Would you try to, you know, just stop and think about it, destroy all the works of God? But that's what happened. Man became the enemy of God. That's why the Bible goes on to say, if anybody's a friend of this world, you are an enemy with God. Think about that. I don't want to be an enemy of God. God's greater. You going to fight God and win? No. No, you can't do it. So just sign up with him, amen? Just sign up with him. Not only did man become an enemy of God, but he turned all of the works and all of the authority that, that of, of the works of God in this creation over to the devil. In the fourth chapter, we read verse 6, And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. For that is delivered unto me. For that is delivered unto me. What a sorrowful thing happened. Man became an enemy of God and Satan, God's enemy, took the authority of the works of God's hands in this earth. He became the God of this earth. What a sad picture. What a sad picture. Look, I'll show you how sad it is. Go back to Genesis, the sixth chapter. I'll show you how sad it is and I'll show you how great God's mercy is towards us. In the sixth chapter of the book of Genesis, I'm not going to take time to read it all. Let's just look at verse 5 and read that. Verse 5 and 6. Read right on through here. In verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy 
man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Now, I would say that his anger and his wrath was well kindled against man. Wouldn't you say so? And I'll tell you what, if it was not for verse 8 in the Bible, there would be no rest of the Bible. But Noah, thank God, I keep saying for Noah. Oh, thank God for Noah, hallelujah. But Noah found grace. You want to talk about mercy? One individual, one. I hear people complaining all the time. Well, so-and-so said this to me, and so-and-so did this to me, and so-and-so did that to me. And they and just they get all upset just because one person treats them wrong. He said the whole earth was filled with wickedness in the hearts of, heart of man. Their heart was evil continually, and they did nothing that was right. Everything was wicked. Everything was evil. They were the enemies of God, and any, anything they did displeased God. But one man. You talk about mercy. One man found grace and favor in the sight of God, and he said, I won't do it. Oh, Father, thank you for your mercy. Oh, there's another time he could have done it. See, there's another time he could have. If he wanted to do, he could have destroyed us right off the face of the earth. But blessed be God, his mercy endureth forever. And thank God that this man Noah found favor in the sight of God. Now let's go back to Ephesians. And I want to show you, I want to tie this in to show you the second chapter again. How great his mercy is towards us. He is a God of faith. He is a God of judgment. He is a God of mercy. And thank God for his mercy. Oh, blessed be his holy name forever. But you've got, to see, you've got to see what man did. You've got to see the effect of the high treason that Adam had committed in the garden. Now remember we said in Ephesians there that he had to gather all things together unto himself, whether they be in heaven, whether they be in earth. Well, why whether they be in heaven? Because Adam's sin was so far-reaching that it stained the heavenly utensils of worship and man got kicked out of this garden. Man got kicked out of the very presence of God and that very presence of God was stained, tainted with sin. The heavenly utensils of worship, they had to be cleansed before man could walk back into that presence. So he had to gather all things together unto himself. And in this cha chapter here, we'll, we'll see it here, it's unveiled to us the great love and mercy God has for us. But man did that. He, he did that and he affected the heavens. He affected the earth. He himself became a, a, an enemy of God. He turned all the authority that he had in the earth over to the devil. Now that's enough for anybody to be judged and condemned to hell. I would, I could see that. I mean, you know, we couldn't blame him for doing it. Because the sin was so great and so far-reaching. But blessed be God, this verse over here, listen, second chapter, the fourth verse. You underline this in your Bible and you put it in your thinking. But God who is rich in mercy. God who is rich in mercy. But our Heavenly Father who is rich in mercy... For his great love wherewith he loved us even when. I can't pound this deep enough into your hearts, beloved. Even when we were dead. Even when we were dead in sins. Even though that he had destroyed the works of God's hand. Even though he had become an arch enemy of God. Even though he had defiled the heavenly utensils of worship, even though his sin was so far-reaching that it turned all over to the devil, all the authority that he had to the devil. He was rich in his mercy towards us for his great love wherewith he loved us, and he had quickened us together with Christ by grace. Our Father is a Father of grace. 
By His grace are you saved and raised us up to sit together and made us sit together in heavenly places within Christ Jesus that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace. Oh, thank you, Father. In His kindness towards us. His kindness towards us. Through Christ Jesus. Why? For by grace are you saved through faith. Now look at these characteristics of God. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created, in, created, in, created. We are recreated. Now we're going to see how he brought a new creation in. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God ordained that we should walk in them. Now, let's go. Well, look, it says here that even when we were dead... That God in His great love and mercy, His mercy towards us, His rich in mercy towards us, and His great love towards us, even when we were dead. You know death cannot keep you from the love of God? Look at the 8th chapter of Romans. I want to show you something. I saw this only in a different light, but I, I believe the Spirit of God opened something up to my eyes. And when I saw it, I began to shout. You ready for this one? God is rich in His mercy towards us with this great love that He loved us in that while even though we were dead, in, we were dead in sins. We were dead. Even though we... I mean dead, that's as bad as you can get. Even though we were... And if you've got any unsaved loved ones, you remember this. Even though we were dead in sin, He showed His love towards us and made us alive. In verse 38 of the 8th chapter... For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, death nor life, neither spiritual death. Spiritual death was far-reaching and it reigned throughout the earth when Adam sinned. But that death, that death was not powerful enough. That death was not strong enough to keep us from the love of the Father God. That's what it says. Read the rest of it. That spiritual death did not have enough power, my friends, to keep God's love away from you and me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, blessed be God. Even death, even death itself was not able to keep God's love from reaching you and me because God so loved you that He sent His Son and He, through death, destroyed Him that had the power of death, the devil. Oh, glory. I'm just ready to have a shouting spell right now. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's go to the fifth chapter of the same book. You've got to have your shouting clothes on now because we're getting ready to shout. Oh, brother. Glory to God. Hallelujah. In the sixth verse. See, I want to point out to you how much your father loves you. And I want you to get a picture of your father painted with so much love in that picture. I want you to begin to see the love dripping off him towards you. And I want you to be, begin to also see, yeah, he's a God of judgment. He's a God of wrath. But I want you to begin to see that through obedience you will avoid the wrath and the judgment of God. Look what it says right here. Sixth verse of the fifth chapter. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some even dare to die, but God. But God. Now you've got to grab a hold of this. You've got to meditate on this. You've got to begin to see this. He said that even though in, we were ungodly, 
And that's what we were. Even though we were dead and alienated from God, even though that we had sin and we were dead in our sins and trespasses, even though that we turned everything over to the devil, God had commended His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners. No. He goes on to compare it. He says, for a righteous man would one die. For a good man one might even think about dying. He says, but an enemy of God, an arch enemy of God, one who is alienated from Him, one who is an enemy of His, one who is ungodly, one who has no right, one who is in the position that we were in, even while we were in that situation, in that condition, God commended His love towards us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Look at verse 9. Much more. Much more than. Much more than. Much more than being now justified by His blood. Much more than. You underline that, underline it, emphasize it, emphasize it, read it, say it over and over and over and over and over again. But much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath. The word saved is the word sozo in the Greek. It means to deliver, to heal, or to be protected from. We shall be delivered. We shall be saved. We shall be protected from the wrath, which is punishment, or the anger. We shall be delivered, protected from the wrath, or the punishment, or the anger of God. We shall be delivered from it through Him. Much more than what? Much more than. Being justified by His blood. Much more than God's love was so great towards you and towards me that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, much more than being justified by His blood and being in right standing with God, much more will that same love that caused Jesus to come to die for you and me, will that same love much more than save us and protect us and deliver us from the anger and the punishment and the wrath there is to come. And you can't get more than that. Oh, glory to God. If you're going to make it, you want, I'm going to rapture before the tribulation. You can save around if you want. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Much more than. And then look at verse 10. I mean, if that wasn't enough. For if when we were enemies, underline that. Paul brings this out so good. If when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, much more. Much more being reconciled, we shall be delivered. That word is sozo again. It means delivered, healed, and protected by His life. Much more is that same love that God commended towards us while we were sinners. Much more that same love is working in our lives now to protect us, to deliver us, and to heal us through the life of Jesus. Much more. And I always thought that that was the greatest working of His mighty power. And you can't get much more than that. That love is working on your behalf right now to protect you and to deliver you from the wicked one and all the evils that's in this world. Next verse. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement or really the reconciliation or the remission. Now, he's not changing the context of what we're saying. Look it. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. 
even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the death, for if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. We're going to explain this as we go on. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation. Now the judgment came under condemnation. Adam was judged. He was judged. And condemnation came by it. That's why he couldn't stand in the presence of God. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned, he's talking about the reign of death, if by this Adam's sin... Death reign by one. Now, underline these two words again. Much more. Much more. Much more. They which have received the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Now, one translation says we'll reign as kings in life by Christ Jesus. But much more. The working of Satan in the heart of Adam caused death to reign in the heart of man. But much more, those that have been freely justified by his grace and have received the gift of righteousness, much more is the life of righteousness working in the heart of man than the life of death through Satan worked in the heart of man in the fall. Much more it's working in our life right now. That is saying to me this. That the work that the Father did in our hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord is greater than the work that Satan did in our hearts in the fall. Can you see that? Well, look at the next verse. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men under condemnation. Disobedience, in other words, brought judgment and condemnation. Disobedience brought judgment and it brought condemnation. But even so, by the righteousness or the obedience of one through Jesus Christ, there came a free gift, came upon all men unto justification of life. So the offense or the disobedience brought judgment unto condemnation, but the righteousness of Jesus Christ brought obedience unto justification. And justification means, to be justified means to be just as if I never sinned. Now grab a hold of this. Just as if I never sinned. Can you see Adam in the same place just as if he never sinned? You and I have come to a place through Jesus Christ in righteousness that God looks upon you and upon me as just as if we never sinned. That's the standing we are in with the Father. Right now at this time. Just as if we never sinned. Look at the next verse. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. You had nothing to do with the sin. You had nothing to do with the life of Jesus. But blessed be God, I was a sinner because of Adam. I am righteous because of Jesus. And it's just as if we never sinned in the sight of God. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Now, I began to meditate on that because at first it was a little bit shallow. I said, well... What do you mean? Well, the law entered so that the offense might abound. Man was living in an atmosphere separated from God, and he did not understand just how, how much of a sinner he was. 
When the law was given, it was not given to make us righteous, but it was given so that the offense of Adam might abound or be made known clear to man. And so when the law was given, it brought out more to man just how much of a sinner he was. And it showed how condemned he was. See, the law produced condemnation in the life of those, the Jews, those that believed. And because of the sense of guilt and condemnation, it made them feel inferior and unworthy in the presence of God. And it, that fear caused them to serve God. And so the law was given and the law was added to bring out the offense and to make this defense that Adam had committed to abound, to be made known in a greater way unto the man, unto mankind. Now, but where sin abounded, now here's that word again, grace did much more. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. In other words, here's what it's saying. Even though the law brought forth the sin and showed the, the, the guilt of man and showed how he was condemned, how wrong he was, well, through the knowledge, and the, the law was a schoolmaster to teach us of God. And the working of the law was to serve the purpose of teaching you and me more of the knowledge of God. And so even though it did show the sin, it also did show the grace of God that He would reveal to us through Jesus Christ. And it made the grace of God abound more. And it caused the knowledge of... See, the knowledge of God was increased. And when the knowledge of God is increased in your life and in my life, grace and peace is multiplied unto you and unto me. So grace did much more abound in the life of those which were the believers. And it abounded towards us so that we could see more clearly that this is what Jesus was to do for us. For you and for me. Look at the last verse now. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Beloved, I want you to begin to see what he has done for us and what Paul is revealing to us in this passage of Scripture. The same way death reigned and ruled in your heart before you got saved. Much more than the gift of righteousness in your heart should abound in your own life to, to make you aware of the fact that there is no condemnation in your life. And you are in right standing with the Father God. You are as just as if you have never sinned. And you have dominion and authority over all the things of this earth. And nothing can harm you in any way, shape, form, or fashion because you have the same authority through Jesus Christ over all the works of God's hands. He bought that, that which was lost. He saved you from that which was lost. Now, let's go and take a look at Psalm 85. I want to show you this, how salvation works. These are more characteristics of the Father God. In the 85th Psalm, this is how it happened. The psalmist had a little bit of insight to it beforehand. But you underline this in your Bible and we'll show you how it works. <clears throat> Verse 9. Now it says, Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in the land. Now notice he, we said we've got to work out our own salvation with fear and with trembling. And it says here, Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him. Okay? Verse 10. Mercy and truth are met together. God was rich in His mercy towards us in that while we were yet sinners, He sent the truth. Jesus is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
Mercy and truth have met together. God first had His mercy towards us. He was merciful towards us, rich in His mercy towards us, so that He sent to us, to you and me, the truth. First He spoke to us by, uh, through, the, through the fathers by the prophets, and then He spoke to us by His Son who unveiled to us the truth. Now, mercy then was shown on our behalf by God the Father, and He sent the truth. Then He goes on to say, And righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Righteousness demands obedience to the truth. Jesus, who was righteous, was obedient to the truth. He, was, he, he did not offend God. He, he didn't sin against God. He did not disobey God. Righteousness demands obedience to the truth. So God's mercy was shown towards you and I, and He sent the truth. Jesus, who was righteous, showed that righteousness by being obedient to the truth. As we said, righteousness demands obedience to the truth. Now, when we have kissed that righteousness, there is peace with God. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Jesus was declared righteous after he took, lived the life upon this earth, took the truth, obeyed the truth, was obedient to the truth. He became sin for you, he became sin for me, and he was punished by being sent to hell. There he died for you and he died for me. He was made sin for us who knew no sin. That you and I could be made what? The righteousness of God. Now, he was raised from the dead by being justified. He was justified in spirit, just as if he had never sinned. And when he was justified by faith, he had peace with God. They kissed each other. Now, go back to Romans, the fifth chapter, and I'll show you something. Fourth chapter, first. Verse 25. Righteousness and peace have kissed. In the fourth chapter, verse 25. Who was delivered for our offenses. Now notice this. Who was delivered for our offenses. Just as the offense was, so was righteousness. And the offense came by one, so that many became unrighteous. Well, obedience and righteousness came by one, so that many are made righteous. Who was delivered up for our offenses and was raised again for whose justification? Okay, for our justification. Now look at the next verse. Therefore, being justified, just as if we never sinned, by how? By faith, we have what? Justified means you're made righteous. Therefore, being made righteous through the faith of the operation of God through Jesus Christ, we're made just as if we never sinned. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. They have kissed together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other in our lives. And when you are justified through Jesus Christ by faith, you have found peace with the Almighty God. You haven't found wrath. You're not an enemy of God. You are at peace with God. We were once enemies, but now we've made peace with God. Heirs of God. Joint heirs with the Son. That's who we are. You're on his side now. He's not doing the things that he's been accused of doing to the, in the lives of the believer. He hadn't done none of it. Now, Colossians, the first chapter. Now, put this in light of what we're talking about. Remember, he had to uh, get all things and bring them unto himself. He had to gather together in one all things in Christ. Both the things that are in heaven, both the things that are in earth. 
Now, he did that through Jesus Christ. And we'll see through his death, burial, and resurrection how he cleansed the heavenly touches of worship when he, was just, when he went in there with his own blood. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's see here. The verse 13. Who had delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created. Okay? that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. All things for him. And is, he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile us while we were sinners, Reconcile all things unto himself by him I say. Now listen. See, it was he that reconciled all things to himself. Whether they be in things in the earth or whether they be things in heaven. And you. Now notice this. How did he do it? Well, he came down here, as we said, lived his life in the flesh and he died the death of the cross. In hell, he suffered for all that Adam had done. He created all things in the beginning. Now it was his job to recreate God was going to recreate all things and bring all things back to the way God wanted them to be. And so he came and he died to death. And when he did, he was justified. He, it was the first thing that had to happen was he had to be justified. He had to be the firstborn from the dead. And when he was begotten from the dead, he being justified, went up and stood before the presence of the Almighty God, where man was kicked out of that presence 4,004 years probably previously. And he was kicked out of the very presence, the throne of God. And you know that all the cherubims and everything that was there before the throne of God, so man could not enter back in. Well, this Jesus, the one that left to come to redeem us, to buy us back by his own blood, to reconcile us under God, he was the first one to go back into that very same place that Adam was kicked out of that garden. And he walked up to that temple of God. He walked up to the mercy seat, and he went in there with his own blood to reconcile all things unto himself. Adam's sin was so far-reaching that it reached the, the, heaven, the heavenlies of God. It reached the throne of God. It reached the mercy seat and all the heavens of worship. But Jesus' resurrection was so far-reaching, it was so powerful that it cleansed all the work that the enemy had done. He went in there with his own blood and cleansed the heavenly utensils of worship and he reconciled all things unto himself, whether they be in heaven, whether they be in the earth, and whether they be in you and in me. He did it. He did it. Walked right on back in there where Adam was kicked out. Walked right on back in there with his own blood. And he did it. Blessed be God. And it's just as if we'd never sinned. Just as if we'd never sinned. Blessed be God. Let's read it. Verse 21. And you that were sometime alienated. Look at the names we're called. Enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through his death to present you, to present you, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. Oh, hallelujah. I mean, glory to God. Adam could walk up to Him because He was holy. He was unblameable. He was unreprovable. And He could walk up to the Almighty God and talk with Him in the cool of the day. Well, blessed be God, we're no longer enemies. We're no longer alienated. We are unreprovable, unblameable, holy in the sight of the Almighty God. And we can walk in and out of His presence anytime we want to. Oh, blessed be God forever and ever. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now, can you see how much love that is? Do you see how much love is in that? Oh, blessed be God. 
that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. While we were yet sinners, while we were alienated, while we were enemies, while we were in that position, listen, friends, we didn't do it. We didn't do it. But his love was so great for us that he died for us. Now, for the Father himself loveth you and you and you. And his love was so great for you that while you were an enemy, he commended his love towards you, rich in mercy, that Christ died for you. And because you're reconciled and justified by his blood, he'll save you, deliver you, heal you, protect you from wrath, punishment, anything that comes your way. For the Father himself loveth you and me, loveth you and loveth me. And then Romans, the 8th chapter and verse 32. Romans, the 8th chapter and verse 32. Grab a hold of this right now, friends. He that spared not his only son, but delivered him up for us all, now that he had sent him to become spiritual death, now that he delivered him after 4,000 years and had this great plan of redemption to take upon himself the sin of Adam, to become sin him itself, to become sin nature, to go into the lowest regions of the damned, to burn in the lowest pits of hell, to take upon all the punishment due Adam and all those that were born through Adam. Now that he spared not his son, he didn't keep him away from us, but he delivered us because of his great love for us. Now that he caused all this to happen and raised him from the dead, now that he's raised him from the dead and he's justified us by his blood, he that spared not his only son, but did deliver him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give you and me all things? How shall he not? How shall he not? Freely give us all things. Therefore, any man be in Christ, he is a new creation that never before existed. Old things, death, spiritual death, being alienated from God, being an enemy of God, strangers from the commonwealth of Israel, without God and without no hope and without no covenant in this world, enemies of the Almighty God, doomed and condemned for hell. All things are passed away and all things are become new in your life. And all things are of God. Now listen to me. No, I know the earth has not been redeemed as, it, as it's going to be. The earth has not been changed. It's not a new earth. It's not a new heaven. It's a new earth. But blessed be God, friends, if you're in Christ, you can change the world that you live in. You can act just as if you'd never sinned. You can act just as if you got the same power and the same dominion that Adam had in the beginning. You can do it on an individual basis. You can't do it for everybody else, but on an individual basis, you can take your authority in Christ. You can take the authority that he has given to you through Christ and you could act like you have the power and the dominion to, to rule, as he said, in this earth. The fish obey Jesus. 
The waters obeyed Jesus. It turned to wine. All that he did, the, the storms obeyed Jesus. Everything on this earth obeyed Jesus because Jesus knew he had that authority as a man. Now, all that authority is given unto you. And Jesus said, if you'll speak to the mountain, if thou canst believe all things are possible unto you, you tell it to be removed. You tell it to cast into the sea. I've given you the power. I've given you the dominion because you are no longer that old creature. You are the new creation created in Christ Jesus under good works. And he loves you so much he'll give you all things. All things. All things. He's reconciled all things unto himself through the cross. Hallelujah. Oh, we've had it preached down our throats. Condemnation. You're no good. Bless this, that, blah, 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 blah. Hogwash. Uh, blameless, unreprovable, holy in the sight of the Almighty God. That's how you are presented through Jesus Christ. I come in, Father God, through the veil of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm walking in boldly to the throne of God, to the mercy seat, that I may obtain mercy and find grace to help. Mercy. You say, but would he have mercy on me? God is rich in his mercy towards us in that while we were yet sinners. And now you're walking in, not as a sinner, not as an enemy, not alienated, but you are walking in holy, unblameable, unreprovable in the sight of your heavenly Father and you stand before the throne of God and say, Father, I'm coming for mercy. How much more then being reconciled by his blood shall he protect you, heal you, deliver you. Oh, hallelujah. How much more? How much more? How much more? If you then being evil can give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more? How much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to those that love him? How much more? How much more? Those three words are just ringing in my spirit. How much more does he want to heal your body? How much more does he want to meet your need? How much more does he want to freely give you all things? How much more? On the day of your new birth, the room is no longer empty. It's filled with life. The angels rejoice in this new child that's born into the family of God. Hallelujah. I can just see Jesus. When John stood there before the throne of God, said there's nobody worthy enough Nobody worthy enough to loose the seals, open the book and loose the seals thereof. And he began to weep and he began to cry. He looked around the whole entire heavens. But there was a man. And he looked as if like a lamb had been slain. Standing in the midst of the elders and the beasts and the angels. Listen to what he did, friends. He walked over to the throne of God. He took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Jesus did. Hallelujah. And he took the book. Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, hath prevailed to loose the seals, to open the book thereof, because he has brought us back unto our God out of every nation and every kindred and every tongue and every people and made us to our God kings and priests to reign in this earth 
over circumstances, over the devil, and over all the cohorts of hell, and over sickness, and over disease, and over poverty, and over fear, and over anxiety, and over worry, and over everything that could offend and come at our way. Jesus did that for you and me. And this is the place he's brought us to. And because he did that, and because he's worthy, the Bible says with him, with him, with the worthy one, he'll freely give you all things. Ah, oh, glory. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can't thank you enough. Yes. Oh, bandele he said, Rafa, do for day. Mandele he said, for now, go for us, but do for side for now, delay. Mando vokes and mandalan, the leader of the dot, a bashe de baker brads and dofit, Sanabra nana fondale, gay frad boso, vaki, sifri, 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 seba. And now you've begun to see a glimpse of the glory that I have unto thee. Now you have begun to see the love, the great love that I have unto thee, my children. Yes, for I have shed the blood of my son and caused all sin to come upon him, that he would destroy it for you. Yes, that I would buy you back and redeem you by his blood unto myself again. Because it is the great love that I have unto thee. Therefore be not afraid, but come unto me with open arms, boldly into my presence, and say and declare the things that I have given unto thee, and so shall they be yours, saith the Lord. And so shall you go in and out throughout the land, knowing that the presence of your Almighty God is with you as you go. Therefore stand boldly in my presence and declare the works of my hands, and so shall you begin to see the manifestation of the glory of God in your midst, saith the Lord. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah to Jesus. Declare it to be so. Declare it to be so. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Holy Jesus, holy Jesus, holy Jesus, holy Jesus. Blessed is the name of the Lord. There's neither height nor depth nor principality nor angels nor powers, no darkness. Nothing can separate you from the love that God the Father has for you. Nothing. Nothing can separate that. Nothing. Thank you, dear Father God, for your mercy and for your love and for your kindness. Thank you for your glory and for your power. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. I just praise you and I just thank you. Magnified worship you and honor you and adore you. Thank you, dear Father God. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead. For me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.